Christina is an anti-diet dietitian who specializes in helping moms who struggle with body insecurities and food guilt learn how to accept their bodies and make peace with food through a health-at-every-size approach. She's based just north of Toronto, working full-time in a hospital. During this global pandemic, she found herself exploring how to start her own virtual private practice, and she did exactly that. She's passionate about helping moms develop a positive relationship with their bodies and food so they can show their kids how to do the same. That is a great bio, Christina. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Super inspiring already, just reading that and all that you do. So why don't you tell us a bit more about where you started out versus where you are now? Sure. So right now I'm currently working full-time. So I started out working full-time. I'm still there. And I started about, I started thinking about my private practice this May. And for fun, I decided to make a professional Instagram account. Never really seriously thought about turning it into a private practice. I was hesitant of even making a professional account because I didn't want to become obsessed with Instagram, obsessed with the likes. I didn't want to go there. But a part of me just wanted to make this professional account to talk about my passion of intuitive eating. And then Libby started following me. And I had no idea, like, a business coach for dietitians who is a dietitian exists. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. So I started seeing Libby's content. And after watching one of her webinars, within the month, I decided to sign up with her. And here I am. I signed up in June. So I just finished my three-month program yesterday. And now I have a more refined and clear niche and message. I made some money and I'm still balancing both jobs and just taking it week by week, really. Wow. That's awesome how, you know, it really sort of fell into your lap and you explored that and, you know, got inspired by the messaging and dove right in. I think that's really awesome. So you talked about refining and clearing up your niche and message. So let's talk about that and who you work with. You know, how do you describe your current niche? Yeah, so right now I'm helping moms specifically who struggle with body acceptance after having kids, and I help them learn how to make peace with their body and food through intuitive eating. So my passion has always been intuitive eating, and my niche has always been intuitive eating, so I thought that was clear enough, but turns out it's not, and so I honed in on moms who are struggling with body acceptance. Yeah. So explain a bit more. How did you get even more specific in that niche? How did that evolution play out? Yeah. So I think when I was encouraged to think about how I can make myself stand out, because there are a lot of other dietitians who are honing in on intuitive eating, which is amazing, but I wasn't quite sure how I would stand out. And I thought back to what I like, what I liked doing in school and who I liked focusing on. I did a master's program and we did a lot of projects where we can choose what we wanted to do. And I looked back and noticed that at least two of my projects were specifically to parents or to moms working with them and how to create a body positive home for their kids. So I know I really wanted to be a little bit in like eating disorder, disordered eating prevention for kids. And how I can do that is by kind of, I guess, changing the way their home environment is by working with moms. So, I, so then I just thought, you know what, 
I think moms is the way to go because in a way I'm helping more than just the mom. I'm helping the household, which is, yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Wow. That is really inspiring how it started as a project, you know, in school, but then turned more into a passion project in your life. And so looking back, have you always had this dream to go into private practice and work in this population? I never had a dream of opening my own private practice. I also never thought I was going to work in a hospital and here I am doing both. So I never wanted to work in private practice because I was very scared of the financial piece and the legalities. I just said, no, I I don't want to be my own boss. I'm not good at making my own boundaries. Sounds like too much work. Like I I don't want to go there. So I literally just considered this in May. Like before this, I said, no, I'm not having my own private practice. My dad would always say to me, oh, when you become a dietitian, you'll work in a hospital. I said, no, I don't like blood. He said, okay, then you can own your own business. And I said, no, 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 that's too much work. There's too many things to think about that I don't know. And yeah, now I'm doing both. (laughs) Wow. So what flipped inside of you that made you start? I know you talked a little bit about hearing Libby's webinar and finding her on social media, but what was it that really resonated with you that caused you to just decided to take that first step? Yeah. So it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a story. So I got COVID back in April and I was quarantined in my room for three weeks. And I'm lucky, my symptoms were, were pretty mild. And I know that's not the case for everyone because I see patients in the hospital who, you know, mild symptoms, it was not the case for them. So I'm super fortunate, my symptoms were mild. And while I was stuck in my room, I started doing a lot of decluttering. I read the Marie Kondo book, The Magic of Tidying Up, and I, started decluttering everything and she says in the book once you declutter your items and just surround yourself by things that give you joy you will start to notice that your life will fall into place in terms of in a way that it gives you joy so not that I mean it just happened that way so I would say that was the first step and then while I was in quarantine in my room that's when Libby had that webinar that I watched. So I watched Libby's webinar and I knew a little bit about her already. And that webinar just flipped a switch in my brain. And I said, there's no going back. I need to become my own boss. I need to do what I love. There's no perfect job out there for me. I'm going to make it myself. And I couldn't go to bed for two weeks because I just kept thinking about how am I going to make this happen? And then I signed up with her. So yeah, I would say that's how I got there. Wow. That's super inspiring. Honestly, that story is so great. Just really coming to the realization that there's no better time, but now let's just jump in and do it. And so with jumping in, coming from someone who you said didn't use social media really and and didn't really want to get on Instagram to get obsessed with the likes and all this stuff. Can you walk us through how using Instagram has been to grow your business? Yeah, so it hasn't been obsessive like I thought it would be. It is more, we're really not looking at the likes at all. It's You're looking at so much, you're looking at the bigger picture. So I'm not obsessed with it like I thought I would be, which is great. And I'm really making sure I'm consistent with putting out content 
before meeting Libby and joining the group, I was consistent. I was posting three times a week. Now I'm posting six times a week and I'm making sure that it's hitting pain points of my ideal client. I'm making sure that it's growing from the week before. Every week I use as an opportunity to improve from something that I missed the week before. And I am hopping on my stories. I'm sharing my story of my journey through intuitive eating. And I am just showing my face. I'm having fun with it. And I'm just trying to have my, my audience, my IC or not, whoever's there, just to get to know me and want to engage with me, start a conversation. Wow. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you said, you know, every week you're just seeing how you can improve on the last week and just kind of keep moving forward. So can you walk us through that a little bit? What's your content creation process like? Yes, I do have a process. Maybe too elaborate of a process. So first I look at my insights for the previous week and I look at the highest reach and the website quick. So then I get those posts that did well and I plug them into an Excel document I have. So this Excel document has the posts that did well and I try to review the patterns, similarities, what did well in terms of style, in terms of titles, what terms did well, what pictures did I use. So I just keep that in mind. Then I head to Canva where I make my content And I think about what's relevant right now, whether it's Thanksgiving, Halloween, something about kids going back to school and COVID. So I try to tie in at least a post or two of something that's relevant. And I start brainstorming and I make five to six posts. Sometimes I feature other dietitian bosses because again, I work full time and it's just nice. (laughs) So once I make my posts, I batch create. I then run it through the dietitian boss checklist to make sure I'm hitting all the points and I share it with the group or some dietitian boss friends and then I post it. Wow. Yeah, that is quite a process, (laughs) but I love it. You're making sure that you're checking all the boxes and continuing to improve, you know, really being strategic about that marketing is super important. And I love that you have your method down and have been continuing to grow that way. Do you feel like it's gotten easier for you as you've continued on? Yeah, to be honest, it just started becoming easier for me, maybe within the last three weeks. I didn't, I guess I was finding it difficult to get a hang of it or get a hang of even recreating posts. I didn't realize how easy it could be and I was making it more complicated for myself. And so I'm really happy that it takes me much quicker to do it now because I would spend my whole, almost my whole weekend making content before, you know, a good chunk of Saturday and Sunday to make it for the week because I don't have time during the week to make it. So I would say, yeah, I would say it got better. I would say making content was maybe one of the more difficult things in this process, which I was surprised about because I thought I had my niche. I thought I knew what I was doing. And then it was a little more difficult than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So what really helped you in getting really clear on developing that messaging to reach your niche with your marketing? I would say lots and lots of research marketing which was really difficult for me. It was hard for me to reach out to my ideal client and 
ask questions that would help me refine my message. But I bit the bullet and I did it. I think it was either you or Micah, another coach that told me, have you done interviews? Okay, start doing interviews. So that was a pretty pivotal moment because I was actually able to talk to moms who were my ideal client and told me that body acceptance is what they struggled with. And I was previously focusing more on the food piece, food guilt. But then I realized the moms I want to work with are really struggling with body acceptance, specifically after having kids, let's say within two years. So I really focus on research marketing to help make my message clear. Wow. Yeah, that's really great. And so with kind of struggling to transition your niche and get really clear and do all the research marketing before really getting final on, um, you know, the, the confidence and who you were trying to reach, what do you feel like really helped you adjust your mindset when it came to refining your message? This was also one of the more difficult things in deciding who I wanted to work with because imposter syndrome kept kicking in. I had to, you know, talk to my boyfriend a million times, had to talk with Libby. I really felt like I couldn't work with moms because I'm not a mom myself. And I thought they would perhaps think I couldn't relate or I wouldn't be able to help them effectively because I'm not a mom and I don't quite understand the struggles of being a mom and having kids and all the responsibilities that come with being a mom. So Libby really helped shift my mindset to make me realize that there's a lot of other dietitian bosses that aren't their ideal client and they are doing really well. And that means that I can do it too. So I think it was a lot of self-talk, a lot of reminders, Sometimes I would just go for a walk and listen to one of positive mindset books or growth mindset books to help me remind myself that I could do this. I could focus on moms. So now I'd like to say I'm over that. However, sometimes it comes up again like, oh, mom, it's so difficult. Why couldn't you just, you know, focus on somebody who's your age? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so, but it's great that, you know, you've been able to realize that you don't have to be your ideal client and reflect on that to say, okay, that doesn't mean that I don't have something that I can help my ideal client with and that I can truly make an impact in this field. And like you said, so many other dietitian bosses have done that before you. And so you're still able to get vulnerable with your story that's parallel, even though you're not a mom. So that way, you know, you can kind of help inspire those moms watching you as well. And so I think that's great. What's your favorite mindset book? (laughs) I really like the, what's it called? The Badass? Oh, You Are a Badass. (laughs) You Are a Badass. (laughs) Love that And you know what? I only listen to, they have a summary version of it in an audio book, but even the summary version was really good. I listened to it to and from work um, because I would never, I don't have the time to sit down and read a book. So I would always listen to either Libby's podcast or these mindset books to and from work. Wow. That's awesome. Just to kind of keep you pumped up and focused on what you're working towards. I love it. I love mindset books. I'm a big audiobook listener to myself. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So getting back to it, what did your Instagram feed look like when you just started compared to what it looks like now that you're really focusing on that business marketing? Mm -hmm. 
So it was pretty. I tried to make it pretty. I always focused on like having a color scheme. And I think making it, trying to make it pretty or trying to have a pattern of my post made it more difficult and made me take longer to do things. Anyways, that's beside the point. So it was, it was on intuitive eating, but it was just more general and educational. Like I remember I made a post and it was an ice cream and it just said, what is intuitive eating? And like the post itself meant really nothing. I spent so much time on that caption. I, you know, I looked up research on the intuitive eating book and, and quoted them and what to type. So I just took really long. I think it took me like an hour and a half to just write that caption. Wow. <laughs> and, and the image, it was not something I focused on at all. It was like a quick, okay, let me just pull together this image on Canva. So yeah, it was just a lot more general and just pretty. And a lot of people said to me, oh, I, I really love your Instagram account. It's really speaking to me because I had a lot of TikTok videos on there that were just kind of intuitive eating related TikTok videos. Cause I think they were just like more fun and it just spoke to people because it was fun and fun to watch. But I don't think it would have actually got me clients. I mean, it didn't. So. <laughs> wow. And so you feel like now in comparison, you're spending more time on the actual posts and the messaging in the posts and kind of what that looks like. Yeah, I would say I spent more of the time on the actual content, the, the post, the picture, and less than 10 minutes on the actual caption. Wow. And, you know, we already heard about your process with it, which is so helpful. So, yeah, that's really great. And so in regard to actually, you know, transitioning and converting those followers, the people who see you on social media into clients. Can you talk about how much money you've made since starting to grow this private practice? Mm -hmm. So within the three months, I made $800. I think October was $650 on its own. Oh, wow. So yeah, so that's how much I've made. And this was all through, uh, it was all through a mix of Instagram. One was Facebook. Yeah, two were Instagram, one was Facebook. Wow. And so it sounds like now October, you know, you've gotten more clear, you're being more consistent, everything is a lot more strategic, and maybe you're gaining a lot more confidence in your messaging too now that things, like you said, things are starting to feel easier. Seems like October has been a really good month for you so far. And, you know, listeners who are listening, we're, you know, just over halfway through October, so you still have another good week and a half left. So that's mm -hmm. really awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. So tell us about some of your goals. What's your next goal, you know, short-term and long-term goals for your business? In terms of money goals? Yes. Yeah. So I would say I'd love to hit that $1,000 mark for a month. And then I would want to do, I would say a short-term goal would be $5,000 a month, which, you know, it might take me a while to go from 1000 to 5000 but that would be my short-term goal. And long-term would be hitting $10,000 a month. Of course, the ultimate goal. <laughs> so, you know, when thinking about these goals and visualizing where that'll take you, how would you describe what kind of life that gives you if you're able to hit these money goals? Yeah. So I thought about what I would need to do to become full-time in my private practice. And that would be my shorter term goal. So 
I would want to, you know, make a certain amount of money for at least a couple of months to feel comfortable to quit my full-time job at the hospital. And then after that, you know, build money, save money so I can buy a place in in and around Toronto, because if anyone who's listening to this podcast lives in Toronto, you know it's very expensive to buy anything here, even in the GTA outside of Toronto. So my goal is to still live in this area and I need some money to do that. So I need to get there and I will. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I will. Exactly. (laughs) Having that confidence. Love it. So in regard to this, you know, how do you approach sales and how is your mindset around this? So sales was always something that was really scary for me. I worked in retail when I was, you know, in high school and I never wanted to be that pushy real retailer. So I never want to come off as salesy. And I was scared that I was doing that. I'm still scared that I'm going to be doing that when I'm promoting my new offers. So, and on top of that, I was really, really scared of the sales calls themselves. So I listened to this podcast a lot, listened to the advice from all the coaches in the group. And a lot of people were saying, just take it as a conversation. Don't have a specific script know the pointers you need to talk about because in the end of the day, you still need to control the conversation and lead it a certain way. Um, But try to do that with a conversational approach, which I would say I'm naturally good at making small talk and making it conversational. So that part was easier than I thought. But going into a sales call, my stomach's in knots. So I'm really nervous. But before every sales call, I take three deep breaths. And I stand in this obnoxious power pose. My hands are above my head, stretched out. I'm smiling. And I do this for three minutes because in my master's program, we watched a TED Talk on grit. And I I wish I knew her name. But she said to, before every interview for a job, stand in this power pose for three minutes in the washroom before your interview. And your confidence will show because you just did that power pose. So I thought I would use that same idea for this. And when I did it, I did close the sale on the call. So I mean, who knows if it's because of that or not, but I think it's just also in your head, it's in your mindset, right? So that's my process. Wow, 100%. It's similar. I do a like a a power song. I always play Girl on Fire by Alicia Keys before my before my discovery call. So I love that you have your power pose and that's what really gets you into the mindset of feeling confident and ready and you just go into it and let it flow. And I love that you have the evidence as well that you were able to convert those sales and pay over the phone with that power pose. I love it. I'm all about that stuff. <laughs> so yours is, yours is a little cooler than mine though. <laughs> and you know, maybe I'll, maybe we can combine the two, the song and the power pose at the same time. Unbeatable. Absolutely. Sure, yeah. <laughs> love it. Okay. So you know, from hearing your story and how you got started to where you are now, it's all really inspiring because really in such a short amount of time, you went from 
not even being sure if private practice was for you to just diving in and now you've made $800 and you're still growing. I think it's amazing. And so, you know, in the dietitian boss method, we talk about getting started imperfectly. And so what does that mean to you? What did that look like to you to have imperfect action? Yeah, I think it's all about what your ideal client sees. So what I'm putting on my Instagram before I used to be really maybe scripted with my stories when I'm talking in my stories. And I totally threw that out the window. Now I just put on my phone, I talk and I post it. If I make a big mistake, you know, I I do it over again. But for the most part, I'm not being so particular with it. I'm not making a script before I do it. So that's one thing I would say I'm doing imperfectly. And content for sure. I know I don't get it exactly right every single time. I'm right now really trying to focus on incorporating my ideal client. One of her biggest struggles is her insecurity about her stretch marks after having kids. So I'm really trying hard to incorporate how to draw these stretch marks on the characters I use in my content. And it's taking me so long because every time I do it, I don't love it, but I I post it anyway. And every week I try to try a different way, tweak it a bit to have it become something I actually am proud of. I'm, I love, but even without it being perfect, I post it anyway, because I still need to get my message out there and support the moms that need my support. Yeah, I love that. And so, you know, with someone listening who hears, you know, just start, start with imperfect action and they don't really know what that looks like. What steps would you tell someone to take to just start? Well, first of all, of course, just start. But aside from that, I think a lot of it has to do with not giving up. A couple of times I almost wanted to give up because I thought I needed to start from scratch. I just thought, I wasn't clicking with moms. Again, that imposter syndrome was coming through. So I I thought, you know, I put all this work into it. I almost would just rather, you know, give up than start all over again. And I had to remember that even though I wasn't getting it in the moment, I wasn't making sales in the moment, I still had to continue and not give up imperfectly until I became more and more clear. So don't give up. Even if you think, you know, you went to one message and you want to switch halfway through because it feels better for you, it's more aligned with your values, do it. Just don't give up. Keep going. Because I think when you give up on your message, on yourself, maybe because you're not making sales yet and you don't have that confidence, I think that's when you lose that momentum and you almost maybe not even go back to it and you and you forget about that dream. So I think it's really important to just keep pushing and maybe surround yourself with people who will encourage you to keep going and remind you, you know, what your end goal is. And the only way you can get there is if you just keep going. Yeah, I love that 100%. And, you know, I think being surrounded by other dietitian bosses, like you said, with being surrounded by people who know your goal and who can continue to encourage you and also hold you accountable is super important. And so, yeah, that was great motivation. You have me motivated right now. I love that. (laughs) So, you know, with getting started, we obviously emphasize 
so much showing our face. So what advice would you have someone who's scared to show their face? Hmm. That's hard for me because it was always kind of easy for me to show my face. I was never really scared of that. I would say if you're scared of it or if you're hesitant to, just do things as baby steps. Yeah, maybe start with just a picture of yourself, not even about anything specific. You don't have to share your personal story. You know, sometimes I just put a picture of myself. What did I do the other day? Oh, I had a Friends t-shirt on. I really like the show Friends. It's my favorite show. I took a picture of myself and I said, my favorite show is Friends. Do you agree? Or what's your favorite show? Or something like that. And, you know, it's something that's so simple and just something that might be easier to do because it's just about you. And also you're building that no like, and trust factor because now your audience knows, oh, Christina really likes Friends. That's something we know about her. So maybe little things like that that don't seem too daunting. Start with that. You don't have to talk in your stories right away. And it gets more and more comfortable. I was really scared to talk in my stories. And then it just gets better. And really, you're just talking to a screen. So maybe think of it that way. You're talking to your screen or you're talking to your best friend. Think of it in a way that you're not talking to this big audience. And that might be helpful. Yeah. It's almost easier to use social media as opposed to like standing on a stage because you don't see the people on the other side. So it's, it's almost like you're talking to a void, but you're not. But if you treat it that way, it might be easier to show your face. That's so true. That's such a good way to put it and put it into perspective. I love it. And you can always delete it if you have to and start over. You know, there's exactly. no harm in trying and um, just trying and putting it out there. And you, you can always have an out if you need to. But absolutely. So you mentioned something. You mentioned the no like, and trust factor. So we know that that is super important when building that um, just connection with people through social media. Like you said, it's not in person. And so what tips would you give to build the no like and trust factor through social media? Mm -hmm. I think if you can, if you're comfortable with being vulnerable, that's a huge tip in trying to build that no like and trust factor. If there's something you've gone through that your ideal client could relate to, sharing that story, even a little bit of it might be helpful. Again, I'm not a mom. However, I've been through my own struggle of body hate and food obsession, feeling guilt and shame around food. And that, that is a piece that my ideal client works with. So even though I'm not a mom, I realize when I share my story, those are the posts that do well. And those are the stories that I get engagement with. So being vulnerable really, I guess it really allows your audience to know, hey, this is a real person. And she's pretty cool. And I want to work with her because maybe she gets a little bit of my story. I'm not saying I get all of my ideal client stories because I don't live in a bigger body. I have thin white privilege. And I think this is something that I can't speak to. But a piece of it they might relate to, it might make them want to work with you more. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that to get vulnerable, you don't have to be be your ideal client. You don't have to know every single piece of their story and every single part of their lived experience to just say, hey, 
you know, here's this one part that I maybe relate to, or here's just one part of my story. And just to be able to have that connection that we all go through those similar things can be really helpful. Absolutely. So to kind of start to wrap this up, what advice do you wish that you had been given when you were first considering starting your private practice that you would maybe give to your past self? I would say it might be harder than you think, but again, don't give up. Keep going and ask a lot of questions. You might know this and everyone else knows it in the group. I ask the most questions and I've always been this way, but it's just the way I learn. So I would say ask a lot of questions because if you're not sure about something, the only way you'll get the clarification is if you ask. So if, you know, if you're working with a coach or if you have friends who've been in private practice or maybe a past preceptor, reach out and ask these questions and it'll help you just start and get a little more confident in building your own private practice. Love that. I totally love that. Well, you've been super inspirational and I'm sure anyone listening right now is really motivated to get started and take your advice. And so why don't you tell us what's next for your business? Hmm. Well, I'm just starting promoting my group offer for mom. And so that's my next step. I'm moving away from the one-on-one counseling and focusing on moms because again, working full-time and doing one-on-one, I can only see so many clients. So group support is my next goal. And then also in the future, future, I really just love the idea of somehow incorporating the kids of the moms. You know, I've played around with doing, I really love Zumba and I've, I'm thinking of maybe in the future becoming a Zumba instructor and doing Zumba kid classes. So, you know, I'm working with the kids and doing fun movement and, you know, getting their energy up and getting them tired for their moms. And then also working with their moms in terms of body acceptance and food peace and just kind of having something that's affecting the whole household again, but working maybe a little more with kids because I do love kids. So we'll see. We'll see where it takes me. Yeah, I love it. The sky is the limit for sure. So thank you so much for sharing your story. I've loved hearing it and I'm sure the listeners did as well. So why don't you tell them where they can find you? I'm at eat.with.freedom on Instagram and on Facebook. I'm Christina Capucci. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Bye, Marissa. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.